the pre-made years session number 179 hello and welcome to the pre-made years where we believe that collaboration not competition is key to your pre-med success i'm your host dr ryan gray and in this podcast we share with you stories encouragement and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome back to the Pre-Med Years Podcast. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. I'm glad to have you here. I'm excited to have you here. I would love to know how you found the show if this is one of your first times listening. Shoot me an email or shoot me a tweet. I'm at MedicalSchoolHQ on Twitter. Or you can shoot me an email, Ryan at MedicalSchoolHQ. HQ.net. Let me know how you found the podcast. And if you have any suggestions for content, any show uh, suggestions or topic suggestions, guests suggestions, let me know. Again, Ryan at Medical School HQ.net. Today I have an interesting story of a non tread student who now has an acceptance to medical school. But beyond that, she took her experience studying for the MCAT and did something about it, and now has or is helping other pre-med students on their journey with a MCAT prep company. She teamed up with another company that was out there helping medical students, uh, a very, I would say, famous guy out there helping medical students on their journey in medical school, and she teamed up with this other company, and now they are offering MCAT services. So we're going to talk about Elizabeth's story and her pre-med journey, and then we're going to talk about what MedQuest is doing to help pre-meds with their MCAT prep. So let's welcome Elizabeth to the show. Oh, and one more thing before I forget, listen to the end of the show to find out how you can save 50% on MedQuest's MCAT prep before the month of May ends, and that's May of 2016, if you're listening to this in the future. Elizabeth, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So I want to find out from you when you first knew that becoming a physician was your goal. Sure. So it's more more recently than I bet for a lot of people. Um, so actually for me, it was my work in health policy. I spent two years at the National Academy of Sciences and uh, worked on this project on measurement in healthcare and uh, in doing so, worked really closely with this great group of physicians, a lot of whom are practicing, so they see patients every day, but they also, you know, were working with me on this interesting policy project, and uh, I just kind of realized that's what I wanted to do, too. So I'm um, having met them and sort of seeing how they were able to do both in their lives. Uh, that's what I wanted for myself as well. So I uh, started taking classes at night. You know, we all, I'm sure everyone here knows that it is a hard slog sometimes to get ready to apply, um, but, you know, I'm really excited about it. What did you initially go to school thinking that you were going to do? So I wanted to be a, a concert violinist, actually. <laughs> so I started my I started my college at a conservatory, Manhattan School of Music in New York City, uh, and actually just had a um, really bad uh, arm injury that made it pretty clear during my freshman year that you know music was not going to be the career for me. So. Uh, I was lucky to kind of discover by accident that I was really passionate about science, uh, and I transferred to Columbia, which is just a few blocks away from where I was at conservatory. Uh, I majored in neuroscience and was really interested in when I was in college. I was definitely not a pre-med in college, um, but I was interested in health policy and science writing and kind of science communications. 
so that's where I thought my career was going to go. And I, that's what I did for about five years. Uh, and, you know, you never can quite expect, quite predict what's going to happen in your life. Uh, but I'm excited to be applying to be going to med school now. Looking back at your, your career at Columbia, as a neuroscience major, mm-hmm. why weren't you pre-med? What, was there a, a conscious thought that said, you know what, I don't want to be a doctor, but this other stuff looks interesting? Yeah, so there there really was. Um, there are a couple factors. I think in a lot of ways, I was really turned off by the culture of pre-med at Columbia. Columbia is a very competitive place. And, you know, I obviously had a lot of friends who were doing the pre-med route. But for them, you know, it seemed like everyone had wanted to be a doctor since they were two. They were really super driven, very focused on classes, spending all their time studying in the library. And for me, you know, I'd come out of the music world and I just had, I was interested in everything. I had a lot of stuff that I wanted to explore Um, I was really involved with, you know, a science magazine on campus, and I was teaching uh, neuroscience at these uh, middle schools. And so for me, I just, I was sort of interested in it, but I uh, wasn't really as excited about the actual work of it uh, when I was there. Uh, So, and I I also think always sort of figured that I could come back to it if I wanted to sometime, that it wasn't the right time for me then, Uh, but it turned out to be the right time for me later. It's interesting you say Columbia had a very kind of competitive pre-med program. Yes. Unfortunately, (laughs) that's the common trend everywhere. And and that's Mm -hmm. one of the big things that we talk about on this podcast is collaboration, not competition. Because if if you are good enough to get into medical school, there's a seat for you. Uh, Yeah. you You don't need to cut down your classmate to get into medical school. You can work together and both get in. Yeah, exactly. And, and even honestly, when I applied um, successfully um, and got in, um, I did not get a committee letter from Columbia. I, you know, sort of talked to them about it and they didn't think that I should apply. Um, and so I just kind of ended up doing it on my own and it worked out great. Um, but I do think there's a problem where a lot of people feel uh, turned away by all of the structures that get put in place uh, to kind of weed people out at the college level. And I think that's really kind of a disservice to um, this whole community. Talk about the committee letter process. You you reached out to Columbia. I'm assuming once you decided to to go to medical school and take these classes mm-hmm. at night, that wasn't through Columbia. It was not, and that was the problem. So the the main reason that they um, would not support my application was that um, they have a rule that you have to complete all of your uh, credits at Columbia. And for me, as a you know professional working in DC, that was about a fifty to one hundred thousand dollar proposition for me to go back to New York and take classes full time. Um, and that just was not in the cards for me because I wanted to be able to keep working. Um, and you know, I didn't. I had a degree from Columbia. Um, you know, from from what I had heard from the people who were advising me, it was more just about getting the credits done um, and learning the information and getting some good grades on my transcript and less about what institution I went to to do my sort of, you know, not non-traditional post-bac kind of a la carte uh, pre-med post-bac program. It sounds like good advice. I think so. <laughs> so. All right. So let's talk about this. So you're, you're doing this policy work. You go, hmm, maybe it is time for me to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. What were what were your first steps into figuring out exactly what you needed to do? So let's let me think back. Uh, so I think, like a lot of people, it was um, it was a lot of internet research, honestly. Uh, so a lot of it was just you know making sure I understood what the requirements were going to be, uh, and and there of course there are a lot of them. Um, so for me, I spent a lot of time kind of researching what I needed to do. Um, I definitely made a lot of spreadsheets about um, all the classes I needed to take and everything I needed to take care of. Um, 
And so for me, it just took a lot of planning. And I think that's uh, why I was able to do it relatively quickly is that, um, you know, I had these very strict schedule of, you know, this is the credits I need. This is when I can do them. This is about when I'll be able to take the MCAT. Uh, and I think, you know, for someone like me and for a lot of people who work full time and have, you know, real adult lives outside of uh, school, it really, that's probably the most important thing is just to make sure you have a solid plan. How did you act upon that and, and figure out, okay, this is, these are the classes I need. Should I, should I work part-time and take these classes at a, at a normal quote unquote university, or mm -hmm. should I find classes at night through a community college? How did you go about actually acting upon that information? Yeah. So I, I looked at all the schools in my area. I figured, first of all, you know, I'm not going to change jobs. So um, it needs to be someplace I can get to easily uh, from work. And so uh, the schools in my area, um, I had, you know, some community college options, a lot of four-year schools that were very expensive private schools. And then one school, um, the University of the District of Columbia, where I, as a district resident, could get in-state tuition. And um, they do have a lot of students like me who take classes at night. So it was a really ideal program for me. And they have, um, they make it easy to be, you know, a non-degree student. You can just take credits um, as you, as you want to. And uh, so for me, I started out thinking, you know, if I can work full time and make it work, I should do that. And I sort of, I started taking just one class to kind of get a feel for it. Uh, I don't think I ever took more than two at a time. Um, and then I um, also worked full time through the MCAT, which was um, difficult. I'm not sure I would recommend it to anyone, um, but I did. I suspended my course schedule while I studied for the MCAT, so that at least gave me some more time. Uh, and you know, it was it was not easy. Um, luckily, my job was flexible enough that I was able to you know take some leave here and there when I needed to to study for an exam and things like that. Uh, so you know, it was hard, but it's definitely something uh, that's doable. Talk about taking one or two classes at a time, because it, it comes up a lot from students that mm -hmm. they think that they have to take a full course load to, quote unquote, prove to the admissions committees that they can handle the coursework in medical school. Did that ever come up in discussions with the advisors that you talked to that you weren't taking enough classes so I certainly have heard, not the people advising me, but I definitely had heard that from other students, um, though I never ran into it in any of my discussions in the medical application process. So I think for me, um, I made sure that in my personal statement and in any kind of communications I had with med schools that I made it really clear, you know, I um, took these classes, but at the same time, I worked this job that was, you know, a huge part of my life, and I produced all this great work while I was working there. So I, th I think for me, I uh, just made it clear in all of the materials, like the written, you know, statements and everything that I showed to med schools that even though I was taking just one or two classes, I was doing a tremendous amount of work outside of that, and that probably added up to more than a full semester of classes. Uh, and I also think for me, you know, I um, had my grades from college, and it hadn't been that long for me; it'd been about five years, um, and so. You know, I had sort of proven that back then, and it hadn't been so long that I don't, I don't think anyone was concerned about that. Working full-time, taking classes at night, do you have any kids? I do not. I have a cat. You have a cat. <laughs> a furry kid. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so, so working full-time and taking classes at night, how do you juggle your time? What what were the hardest things about finding some margin in your life to be able to do all this? What, what were some of the challenges you faced? 
So uh, for me, again, I think planning was really important for me. So I um, kept a calendar and I would say, you know, this is my time for work. And then I come home and I'm going to do two hours of this when I get home. Um, but for me, I also think it was important for me to give myself a little flexibility. So if I came home and I had just a terrible day, um, sometimes I would just be like, you know what, I am going to study more this weekend. I don't have time tonight. Um, and you know, I think at some point you really have to make sure that you're allowing yourself to have time to, you know, be a human being and, you know, preserve your mental health and things like that. So uh, I think for me, it's just, you, you definitely have to stay on top of it. You have to really be motivated and be working, um, kind of all the time towards this goal. But I think it's also, um, you know, I never felt like I couldn't take a break if I needed to, or that I was totally drowning. Um, you know, it's just, I think it's just a balance between making time for yourself and then making time to do what you need to do. Along with classes and work that you were doing, part of the application process, part of being a quote-unquote pre-med is the need to shadow and get clinical experience. How are you fitting in all of that as well? <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> With difficulty, I guess. So um, I was certainly able to do um, some of those things. I was lucky in that when I was in college, even though I didn't, um, I wasn't a pre-med, I had a lot of applicable extracurricular experience. Um, so, but I definitely did some shadowing um, and some uh, volunteering at the ER here in town and some other volunteering uh, through my work. So for me, um, I just sort of recognized that, you know, I'm super busy. I don't have a lot of time the kinds of things that I'm going to be able to do are more like one-off, you know, go shadow a doctor one time for one day or, you know, volunteer in the ER, but only, you know, four to eight hours a month, something like that. So for me, um, it was about kind of keeping those activities constant on my, uh, kind of on my resume, but, um, you know, acknowledging that, you know, I didn't have time for a 15 hour a week volunteer job. There's just no way I didn't have time to work in a research lab or anything like that. Uh, but I think there are a lot of other great opportunities uh, with fewer hours per week where you can still get those experiences uh, into your application. Okay. Let's talk about your your applications to med school before we dive into the MCAT. Sure, yeah. Your <laughs> your policy work, that, that was all healthcare-focused, correct? Uh, for the most part, um, toward the end, it became more and more health-focused as I... Uh, turned it toward med school, but it was kind of science policy to begin. How did that play into your interviews? How, how did those discussions go? Was that something the, the admissions committees were interested in talking about? I think it was definitely um, maybe even a major focus of my interviews um, and even of my personal statement. And um, I think you know, I think it, it worked really well because it was experience that was still very relevant to medicine. And it sort of, uh, I was able to use those discussions to talk about sort of what I think about healthcare now and how healthcare has changed. Um, and, you know, I think it benefited me in a lot of ways because I am very much able to carry on a conversation about current health policy issues. And so I did have an interviewer who um, had some interest in those fields as well. And so I was able to make a connection. Uh, but I think for me, it was, you know, that was, that was kind of the big experience that I was bringing to med school to say, look, I, you know, worked on this huge project that, you know, really has had an impact on the health policy world in these ways. And through that, I decided to be um, a med student. And so I think just for me, I think uh, it was just about talking about those experiences, but then always being able to draw a line back to med school and why I wanted to apply. 
Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, that's that's perfect. <laughs> okay. How, how did that affect your choices of where you were applying to medical school? Was that was that something that you looked at the schools and said, "Hey, this school is very policy heavy, or they they have a lot of um, uh, extra stuff that I can go learn more about policy." Mm-hmm. Did did that play a role into where you applied? So I think in a way, um, for me, honestly, geography was a huge uh, part of my decision. So I live in D.C. Uh, with my husband who works for the federal government. And so I wasn't uh, so interested in leaving D.C. And so um, there are just a few schools in the area. But um, I definitely was looking for a school that valued interdisciplinary education. Uh, so for me, you know, coming from the music world way back and then, you know, being in kind of science writing and health policy, uh, I think it's really important to, no matter what you're learning, to look at it from multiple perspectives. So I wanted a school where they had a curriculum that sort of reflected that and wasn't just, you know, sit down, learn all of your uh, all of the science you need to know, and then go be a doctor. I wanted a program that was going to be a little more integrated and also had a focus on some practical issues. Uh, so, of course, you know, for me, the health policy world is centered in D.C., so that was an, an easy choice. You know, any school I went to in D.C. was going to have a health policy focus. Um, but I think in addition to that, it was about a school with a curriculum that matched how I wanted to learn and the right, the right kind of culture of education for me. How did you go about researching those schools and what programs they had and in the interests that they had there? Sure. So nothing complicated, honestly. Um, you know, every school has, you know, they state very clearly on their website what, what, their, what their values are and what they think is important and what kind of opportunities they offer. So that's definitely where I started. And um, then, you know, just to kind of confirm those impressions, I um, did, you know, tour schools. I talked to some other students who I knew had applied or who were current students there. Uh, And for me, you know, um, I'm going to uh, GW Med School here in D.C., And um, a lot of the reason that I like GW so much is that I loved what they had to say about themselves on their website. And then I saw that reflected very directly in every interaction I ever had with anyone associated with the school. And so for me, that just meant, you know, this is exactly the right school for me. And it's a culture where I'm going to fit in and I'm going to be happy uh, becoming a doctor. Great. All right. Let's talk about the wonderful MCAT. You, sure. you already talked about how you stopped taking classes to study for the MCAT, but you still mm-hmm. worked full time. Yes. What was that transition like going from working in classes to working and MCAT prep? Yeah. So in, in certain ways, it was kind of a relief, if only because I got to come home at the end of the day instead of go uh, sit in more classes. Uh so for me, the, my thinking when I did that was, you know, I spend 10 hours a week in a classroom. I'm just going to take that same 10 hours and spend that at home studying for the MCAT. And I think I ended up doing about 15 because I added I would study for a bigger block on the weekend. Uh, so for me, it was definitely a transition. But, um, you know, in a lot of ways, because I'd been working and taking classes, I knew that I could do two things at once, that I could work and do something academic in the evenings. So... Um, I think in a lot of ways, my classes prepared me to be ready to study for the MCAT. What did you, or how did you research prep courses to take, books to read, all of that fun mm-hmm. stuff? So for me, um, I think one important factor here is that I took the very first of the new MCAT, uh, which I'm sure all your listeners are familiar with at this point. Lucky you. I know. Um, and not not because, not out of any sense of martyrdom or anything like that. I just, um, that was the time that I needed to take it for my timeline. And so that's when I took it. 
So I definitely started at the AAMC's website. I think they have a tremendous amount of information that uh, when I talk to students now, I'm often surprised that people don't um, kind of use those resources more. Uh, so because it was a new test, there were really limited options out there and limited information. But I started by reading everything the AAMC had to say about it and what it was like. Uh, and then for me, you know, I looked at the commercial prep courses. I'd, I'd committed and saved money to be able to buy a commercial prep course. Uh, and they, you know, they didn't all look that different to me. I looked at, you know, they all cost about $2,000 for their, you know, the one where it's just video, you do it at your own pace. Uh, they all had some kind of practice test, some kind of video course, some kind of QBanks. Uh, so for me, I felt like, you know, I didn't think the, the course that I chose was going to make a difference because they all seemed very similar. And so, um, you know, I just kind of picked one. And, and <laughs> how you just, just randomly said, okay, I'll, I'll do this one. Yeah. So I guess the one factor I went with Kaplan and I think the, um, factor that did it for me is that I knew that I could renew it after, um, the, their like timeline was up because, um, if you haven't gotten this, they have some kind of deal where you can renew it for a second, uh, kind of mm. cycle. And for me, because I was studying, uh, you know, a smaller amount of time per week, I studied for five months, which I think is longer than their typical courses. So, um, just because of that, that's, that's what I did. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> How did you feel the, the, that material helped you in preparing for the MCAT? So, um, unfortunately it, it did not really meet my expectations for what I thought I was going to be getting out of a course. So, you know, I entered the, my prep course, having spent a lot of time reading what the AMC had said about the new test and how different it was in some really important ways. And when I got the, um, the Kaplan course, I sort of realized that, oh, this is, this is just the same as the old test with a new section added. They definitely had, you know, switched some things around, changed colors and everything. But in a lot of ways, I think they had added a lot of new material, but they hadn't taken anything away. So it was still the same course for the old test, just with a bunch of new stuff added. And to me, um, I knew from looking at the AMC stuff that that was not what the new MCAT was, that it wasn't just, you know, adding a new section. It had really kind of rethought the whole process of what the test was about, what its priorities were. Uh, and so I kind of felt lost because I had this huge, you know, trove of resources, tons of questions, tons of videos, more than I could ever possibly actually get through. Uh, and I just didn't know where to start really. What, when you, when you sat down to take the actual test mm -hmm. and you go through it and what, what is your thought? Like, do you go, man, that course didn't prepare me at all for this? Or do you not even think about the preparation and you're just kind of in the middle of it? So uh, I'm not sure I thought about the preparation at all when I was actually taking it. I think, I think for me and for a lot of people, you get in this zone of just like, I will get through this journey. <laughs> so um, I didn't, I certainly reflected on it afterwards, but uh, you know, the new test is much more reasoning based. So I think um, that's, that sort of makes it a different game in terms of test prep. Um, and I, I also think that, you know, no matter what test prep company you go with, uh, your preparation for the MCAT is about you. It's not really about anybody else. And so for me, I felt good going into the MCAT because I thought to myself, you know, I got through everything I wanted to get through. I worked as hard as I possibly could. I know that this is my best work. So, you know, if I go in here and it doesn't go like I want it to, 
you know, at least I tried my best. So I think that was sort of more my perspective. I, I love that comment, how it's about you, because yeah. I, I talk about that a lot. It, the No matter what test prep company you use, if there's, mm-hmm. there's one that's just local to you and that's where you want to go or whoever has the best deal at the time, yeah. I, you get out of it what you put into it. And so exactly. all, all of the test prep companies hopefully are going off of the, the list that the AAMC provides of the mm-hmm. content that's going to be in the test. Mm-hmm. And they all hire their test writers and, and question writers. And so they're all going to be about the same. And yeah, exactly. And I think on, I, uh, I think in a lot of ways it's similar to like a gym membership where sometimes yep. people buy it and you sort of think, oh, I spent all this money. Like I must be getting like this has to be worth something. <laughs> but, you know, if you don't ever go to the gym, you're paying for nothing. So, yeah, it, it has to be about personal accountability and, you know. You have to actually do the work, and no matter what you're doing to get it done, there are going to be moments of unpleasantness. <laughs> that is true. Yes. <laughs> so you, you took the test. You went through the prep course. Mm-hmm. And unlike 99.9% of the other people out there that go through this process, you decided to do something different about it and and change some things. Talk talk about your involvement in kind of changing some test prep and, and offering something different. Sure. So, um, you know, as I've mentioned, based on this experience I had uh, preparing for the MCAT and taking it, uh, I came away really feeling like, you know, there needs to be some different way to do this. There's a new test and it really needs a different kind of prep. And I don't think that the prep companies out there are doing a very good job of, of adapting to the new test. So uh, I teamed up with Dr. Conrad Fisher, who uh, is a little bit famous in the med school community. He's the guy who wrote all the Master of the Boards books. Uh, and as you know, is uh, a little bit of a character, certainly an entertaining a teacher. Little? <laughs> so uh, we teamed up and I sort of talked to him about basically what we just talked about, that I wasn't really satisfied with my experience and that I think uh, that we can do better. And so uh, we teamed up and we put together this new course called MCAT Fast Pass. So tell me about MCAT FastPass. What what is it? Sure. So it's a uh, it's a video course. So it's uh, online video, and we also have just produced a, a book to go with it that you can just buy on Amazon. Uh, so the the basic thing that I wanted to do differently is, you know, when I was taking one of the big courses, I felt like there was way too much, and I didn't know where to start, and I didn't know how to prioritize. And as uh, you know, a busy person with a with a life, I you know I wanted to know what was most important, so I knew where to spend most of my time. So I wanted to do a course that instead of kind of giving you everything you could possibly ever need, was going to show you how to prioritize and how to know which topics are most important. So that instead of you know working through linearly everything you did in college, everything you learned already once. Uh, it would be about, you know, understanding the test, understanding what's important, and focusing your energy accordingly. So um, another thing that I think is really is different about this course is that instead of doing like a big bundled thing where you have to pay a big price tag to get everything, uh, we designed this course so that it's more a la carte. So you can buy the video course separately from the book. Uh, and for, for no matter what you're doing, we encourage everyone to purchase the AAMC practice resources. So for a lot of the uh, commercial courses, those are automatically included in that big price that you're paying to get the course. But you can also buy them separately for, I think, still under $200. And uh, no matter what anybody says, 
those are the best because they're written by the real MCAT question writers. And, you know, absolutely everyone should be doing those and spending most of their time on those. So, uh, you know, we did, we kind of designed a course that you can get everything you need by going a la carte and spend, you know, more around $500 instead of 2000 With the video course, are there, do you have question packs or practice tests? What, what else is involved besides the videos? Yeah. So in addition to the videos, uh, we have, we have one, uh, full length practice test that's scored. Uh, we may be adding more in the future, but we're kind of, uh, trying to balance, uh, against the double AMC because they'll of course continue to put out new tests that are going to be the best. Uh, so in addition to that, we spend a lot of time in the video course talking about, uh, specific kinds of questions you're going to get on the MCAT, how to approach specific questions. And we also have a number of videos where, uh, you actually walk through solving a passage uh, with someone who is really good at them and sort of walk through how, what's, what goes through um, someone's head while you're, while you're taking a passage, what sort of things you should be thinking about, what you should be highlighting, and then how to approach different kinds of questions. Uh, so there's definitely a lot of like, test-taking strategy built into every single video we do because uh, we think that it all, you know, you shouldn't just be reviewing, you know, amino acids like you did in college. You should be reviewing amino acids like the MCAT wants you to think about amino acids. Yeah, and that's that's the the hardest part of the MCAT is the strategy behind it. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Talk about the book for a minute, and and wh- who should be looking into buying the book if they're maybe not interested in the video course? Sure, absolutely. So I'm very excited about the book. The book is maybe the thing that I most wish I had had when I was studying. Uh, so what we did is we took that double AMC outline that everyone has access to that every test prep company uses. Uh, but instead of publishing like a, a set of, you know, seven textbooks, we condensed all that information into the most concise form we possibly could. And so the fast pass study guide is just that it's a study guide. It's not going to reteach you anything you didn't learn, but it is comprehensive of all of the test content. And it's going to give you the information that you absolutely have to know that the double AMC has said, this is this is fair game for the test. You have to know this. So uh, I think it's it's a very useful book for a lot of different people. So um, just to let you know what, the, what it kind of looks like, it's written in an outline form uh, so that it's very easy to navigate. It's very easy to kind of quickly review a topic in just a few minutes instead of going through a whole textbook chapter. Uh, and it also works as a checklist so you can kind of keep track of what you've covered and what you haven't. Um, and that's because for me, when I got to, uh, the last couple of weeks, I remember getting really paranoid that I had just forgotten something hugely important that I just forgot to study. Uh, and so this is supposed to help you, uh, both kind of organize yourself. So you're making sure you're getting through every single thing that's on the MCAT, but it's also going to help you know how in detail to go when you're learning every particular topic. Cause of course with the new MCAT, it covers a much wider breadth of information, but the depth of what you need to know varies tremendously from topic to topic. So that's uh, kind of why we did the book the way we did. Uh, so I think it could work. You know, it, it does work with the video course, but it also stands alone. I think it, it would be especially helpful if you are kind of getting towards the end of your uh, MCAT journey and you're just trying to rehearse what you need to know for the test, make sure you kind of get through everything one more time. This book would be a great way to do that because uh, you can. it's only about 300 pages, so you can get through it. Uh, relatively quickly. Um, and you know, it's one book, so you can just take it on the bus with you, take it wherever you're going and, uh, quickly review topics, uh, to make sure you're making the most of your time while you're preparing. That's awesome. And that's the MCAT fast pass study guide on Amazon. 
That's right. And it has all the amino acids on the inside cover. We all know <laughs> that's the most you have to memorize them. That was a big surprise to us first test takers. <laughs> it's amazing talking to students about the MCAT. The amino acid seems to be the number one thing people talk about. Yeah, well, I think it's because when, when with the very first iteration of the new test, uh, we didn't really know that they were going to be on there. And then uh, we all took the official, the first official test that the that the AAMC put out. And there were all these questions where you needed to know the one letter codes. And we just none of us had any idea that was coming. <laughs> wow. So it's certainly a priority. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's why it's become so kind of legendary. <laughs> So where can people find more info about the video course? Sure. So just on our website, um, it's medquestreviews.com. And then you just can go through to the MCAT section. We also on our website have some other resources that I think would be helpful. Uh, so even if you're just, you know, going to self-study, um, but you want to use the FastPass study guide, we have some example uh, kind of study schedules for how you could organize your studying. So I think that, again, is so important for making sure that you're going to be able to get through everything. Um, we also did some sample budgets to sort of show you how you can mix and match different resources to get the course that's right for you, uh, but without having to spend uh, more money than you're able to. Okay. So that's medquestreviews.com, and I'll have a link to that in the show notes. for everybody. That's right. And the, the book is just on Amazon. So super easy to get. <laughs> awesome. Well, Elizabeth, what's, what's your best tip uh, as we wind up here uh, for somebody that like yourself, working full time, trying to take classes at night, study for the MCAT. If if you could go back and change one thing that you did, uh, what would that be? Let's see. One thing I would change. Uh, so I think I would have given myself a little more time going back. Uh, if I'm being honest, I think if you're going to be working full time and and you know having a real life and have other responsibilities, uh, I think you need to kind of acknowledge that three months is probably not going to be enough that you need to think about starting much earlier. And also, I think just giving myself a chance to ease into it, to say, you know, the first week I'm starting slow, um, and I'm going to kind of ramp up. Um, and I think I think that's one thing that a lot of people struggle with is, is you really have to start early and you have to think, uh, you know, about when you want to have your scores and then work back to when you need to start studying. Uh, and I think, you know, taking the MCAT when you're not ready is, you know, not a good idea. So I think just, you know, make sure that you uh, give yourself the time you need. All right, that was Elizabeth, again, non-traditional student, not knowing that she wanted to be a pre-med until a little bit later in life, and actually knowing she didn't want to be a pre-med, which was kind of interesting, that that, that whole pre-med world, kind of toxic, kind of cutthroat pre-med world at Columbia where she was, and she wanted to stay away from that. So I, I've talked to pre-med students who know their pre-med and are going through the pre-med process, but don't tell anybody at their school because it's such a toxic environment. So hopefully you're not in that situation. If you are and you want to be around other amazing pre-med students, go to medicalschoolhq.net slash group, and that'll take you to our Facebook page or our Facebook group actually called The Hangout. And that has about 1,400 members in it, students just like you who want to be around other amazing students that are supportive and are are helping each other on the journey. All right, so let's talk about MedQuest. If you go to medquestreviews.com, and again, I'll have links to this in the blog post specifically for this episode, which you can find at medicalschoolhq.net slash 179. Go to medquestreviews.com, click on MCAT, and that'll take you and show you all about the MCAT 
FastPass video course, and the, the book is there as well that you can buy on Amazon. But the video course specifically, you can save 50% through the month of May of 2016 by using the coupon code MEDSCHOOLHQ. Again, that's M-E-D-S-C-H-O-O-L-H-Q, MEDSCHOOLHQ. 50% off the MedQuest FastPass video course. After May of 2016, if you're listening to this after May of 2016, you can still save 20% off that course using that same code, MedSchoolHQ. But because this is a newer product and they want people to check it out, 50% off for or through the month of May of 2016. Go check it out. I'm going to review it pretty soon, and I'll have a, a video up soon so I can show you firsthand what it's like to go through it. I hope that will help as well. And I'll put that in the show notes for this episode as soon as I have that done. It probably won't be done for a couple weeks. So again, medquestreviews.com. Use the coupon code MEDSCHOOLHQ. I want to thank a couple people that left amazing ratings and reviews in iTunes. If you haven't done so, you can do it at medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes. One is from Courtney Nicole 131 it says, Ryan is super informative. He loves to engage and motivate his listeners. I had the opportunity to meet Courtney at a hangout that I did or a meetup that I did in California. I was recently there for a conference and I got together, I think there were 16 people that joined me for dinner, 16 other uh, pre-med students and medical students. A couple of them had already gotten their acceptances but it was an amazing time, and it just if, if you have the opportunity to meet up with other pre-med students that listen to this podcast, and you can do that in the Hangout group. Go to medicalschoolhq.net slash group, and in that Hangout group, try to form a meetup in your local area. I know they're trying to do one in Atlanta. Uh, I'm going to be at a conference in Chicago in July, so I'll probably do another meetup there. But it's amazing to be around other like-minded students. And whether that's through the Hangout group online or in, in real life, IRL, <laughs> in, in, uh, at a dinner or a lunch or wherever it may be, being around other students helps encourage you, helps motivate you, and uh, helps, helps you know that you're not the only one going through this. So uh, thank you, Courtney, for coming to the meetup and for leaving this rating and review. We have one more here from Ha Ha You Suck 2-4 that says, thank you for making me say that, that says spectacular podcast, best podcast out there right now for pre-meds. Um, I don't know why you had to preface that for right now. Are you are you going to launch another show that's going to be better for pre-meds soon? No, just kidding. Um, the, so best podcast out there right now for pre-meds has greatly helped to alleviate some of the pressures of figuring out the long and somewhat daunting path of becoming a physician. Couldn't be, couldn't be more grateful that I found this podcast when I did guaranteed goat. And now that I know what goat means, I'm not offended by it. So I am proud to be a goat. So thank you. Ha ha. You suck too for. If you want to leave a rating or interview, again, medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes. I greatly appreciate every rating and review that you leave. I always talk about iTunes, and there's been a big 
thing in the news lately about the Google Play Music for Android, for for um, iOS as well. They finally have podcasts in Google Play Music. I haven't seen them in the app yet, but I know you can get it through their website. Um, so I don't, I'm not sure when the apps will be fully updated on your devices. But if you go to medicalschoolhq.net slash GPM for Google Play Music, that should redirect you if you want to try it out on Google Play Music and try out uh, listening to this podcast on Google Play Music. Again, medicalschoolhq.net slash GPM. I hope you got a ton of great information out of the podcast today. Don't forget to go check out medquestreviews.com. Use the coupon code MEDSCHOOLHQ to save 50% off through May of 2016 on their MCAT FastPass video course and 20% off after May of 2016. As always, I hope you join us next week here at the the Medical School Headquarters and the Pre-Med Years Podcast. <laughs>